this is Sally welcoming you to the 2342nd edition of the Enfield Talking newspaper, dateline the 9th of June 2023. The readers this week are Alison, Jean and Mel, with Ian on the controls. Our title music is Country Rock Polka, composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Brewer, it is performed by Jean-Jacques Perret and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading this week come from the Enfield Independent and the Enfield Dispatch and other sources and are their copyright. For the week beginning the 12th of June 2023, the sunrise time is 05.21 and the sunset time is 20.34. We also have some special notices from Enfield Vision. We are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with the Charity Commission as an organisation with the specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a drop-in morning on the third Thursday in each month from 10am till 1pm at Park Avenue Resource Centre, Bushhill Park, Enfield. Our exercise classes are now running again. Here are the dates for the next few months. Thursday the 15th of June 2023, Thursday the 20th of July 2023, Thursday the 17th of August 2023, Thursday the 21st of September 2023, Thursday the 19th of October 2023 and Thursday the 16th of November 2023. For further information please contact us on 0208 373 6260 or email information at enfieldvision.org.uk Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane de Jersey on 07899 she is your listener's representative and will be pleased to, jo- to help you. Now, Jean will read the first story. Hello, I'm reading from the Enfield Independent. Crackdown leads to drop in homicides. Quote, we, we're out there doing this day in, day out. This is by Noah Vickers. A major police operation across six London boroughs has been credited with helping to bring the capital's homicide rate down to its lowest level in almost a decade. Mayor Sadiq Khan and the Met Police said Operation Denali, or Denali, which focuses on high-visibility patrols and targeted enforcement, is succeeding in reducing violent crime in the city. City Hall believes it is working because it is conducted alongside education and early intervention. The operation began in January 2022 and has been rolled out in Herringay, Enfield, Croydon, Lewisham, Greenwich, and Newham. Mr. Kahn said that they were the six boroughs in London where we're most concerned about violent crime. While there were, whilst there were 46 cases of homicide across those six boroughs in 2021, that figure fell in 20, to 29 in 2022. Across the whole city, the figure fell, fell from 133 to 111, the lowest since 2014 when 95 cases were recorded. Looking specifically at teenage homicides in the six boroughs, the number dropped from 15 in 2021 to 7 in 2022, while a similar reduction was seen across Greater London, going from 30 to 14. 
The mayor said Operation Denali has led to more than 1,900 arrests, more than 500 serious weapons taken off our street, and but also homicides gone down in those areas where we're using Denali. We've got to recognize as Londoners we're not going to arrest ourselves out of this problem. So we've got to have combination of enforcement, being tough on crime, but also education and intervention, being tough on the causes of crime. My message to young people is very simple. You may think if you leave your home with a knife, you'll be more safe. All the evidence says you'll be less safe. That knife could be used against you, but also you will probably be arrested after a stop and search, charged, and you'll have a criminal record. Matt Ward, the Met's Deputy Assistant Commissioner, said we've been able to reassure lots of communities about the importance of the work we're trying to do to tackle violent crime. And we've been able to reassure them that we're out there doing this day in, day out to try to keep them safe. The next article is taken from the Enfield Society News Summer 2023 Newsletter Edition. Society volunteers complete major review of the local heritage list. Over 30 society volunteers have checked more than 260 entries and suggested adding 44 new sites. The Society's Conservation and Heritage Group has been working with the Council's heritage officers to review and update the local heritage list. This society was a major partner in preparing the original list in 2018. We have been working to review current entries and add new ones that meet the criteria of buildings that have significant local interest but which do not meet historic England's requirements for the national list. Over 30 volunteers have checked all the existing 263 entries, updated the text as required, taken recent photos and reorganised the entries into the new council ward boundaries. In addition, the group has put forward additional sites that are worthy of inclusion. We have tried to include more sites in the east of the borough, as well as industrial and commercial buildings that reflect Enfield's heritage. It is proposed that 44 sites and buildings will be added to the list. These include the administration building at North Middlesex Hospital, formerly part of the Edmonton Union Workhouse, and the Fred Perry building, Bridport Road, N18, a fine example of 1930s industrial architecture. The 2018 Local Heritage List is on the Council's website, and the Council is working to provide the newly updated list with an improved online mapping tool for each entry. Once our volunteers had submitted updates and suggested new entries, a review panel was established by the Council. The panel included Council officers, a Society representative, the former chair of the Conservative Advisory, or Conservation excuse me, Advisory Group and a representative from Historic England. The revised list awaits final approval by the Council. As well as the inclusion of new entries, the panel sought to ensure consistency. For example, in some shopping parades along green lanes, individual buildings were included, but not the whole parade. Where a parade forms a cohesive design in the street scene, the whole parade has been included, for example, in Palmer's Green. Inclusion in a local heritage list does not give the same protection as the historic England national listings, brackets grade one, two star and two, but it is a material consideration that must be taken into account in the event of any planning application for a change to the building. We are very grateful to all the volunteers whose hard work and enthusiasm has made the project possible. The group is currently working on a list of historic street furniture, including plaques, signs and sculptures. 
And now an article from the Enfield and Haringey Independent about how the North London incinerator broke its legal limit more than 30 times last year. North London's ageing rubbish incinerator breached legal emission limits more than 30 times last year. In the 2021-22, the incinerator in Edmonton run by the North London Waste Authority recorded 31 incidents when it released too much organic carbon or carbon monoxide into the air. This is double the number of breaches recorded at the plant the previous year according to data obtained via a Freedom of Information request. More than half of last year's breaches were caused by a gas canister exploding, compared to only two such incidents the year before. NLWA Managing Director Martin Capstick said, gas canister explosions are a growing problem industry-wide, caused by people irresponsibly putting them in their household bin. He said... The incidents caused by gas canisters were very brief and caused a small spike in emissions for less than 30 minutes each time. The daily emissions were still under limits. It's crucial that people understand that gas canisters can be lethal. They can explode in your home, in refuse trucks, at recycling facilities, at energy waste from facilities, excuse me, at energy from waste facilities, in landfill and likewise in a pre-sorting facility. People must dispose of canisters correctly. It may be that legislation is required. After each of the 18 explosions last year, the Waste Authority noted that it would review its inspection regime to see if improvements can be made to identify canisters before incineration. Canisters are showing up more and more often in household waste, in part due to the growing popularity of using nitrous oxide as a recreational drug. The report said the incinerator stayed within legal limits for most other forms of pollution, such as nitrogen oxides, hydrogen chloride and sulphur dioxide. Karina Millstone, spokesman for the Stop the Edmonton Incinerator Now coalition, said, These latest breaches come as no surprise. They also show the urgent need for comprehensive pre-sorting of waste, both to avoid gas canisters in the incinerator, but also to extract recyclates. Unfortunately, the NLWA seems determined to plough ahead with their plans for the new incinerator without a pre-sorting facility. The NLWA is responsible for waste in Barnet, Camden, Enfield, Hackney, Haringey, Islington and Waltham Forest. This is an excerpt from a BBC article on London's Lost Rivers. An inspiring form of restoration involves physically liberating waterways like the Turkey Brook at Albany Park in North London, which for decades had been constrained to a narrow, ecologically hostile and dirty flow hemmed by concrete walls. We dug out the whole channel, broke the walls and basically freed the river, said Michael Shorey, senior engineer for Enfield Council Watercourses team. The result is a beautiful new wetland fed by several hundred metres of now gently babbling brook, a mini urban Eden that is home to a myriad of river creatures, birds, water plants and flowers. Shorey pointed to places where the brook has created new channels and a small gravel beach. We wanted it to take on its own course, to naturalise, he said, but it will move and we are going to get drone footage in coming years to see how it changes. Creating these new wetlands also helps reduce flood risks across London, by providing areas that can naturally hold excess water from extreme rainfall, increasingly linked to climate change. A key example is the Furs Farm wetlands, created after the rediscovery of Moor Brook. Found buried within a wilderness in a little-used park in the North London borough of Enfield, this lost tributary of Pym's Brook itself a tributary of the Lee, 
was freed by Enfield's watercourse team to create a 3,300 square metre wetland area that Shorey says has significantly reduced flood risk for thousands of people in the area. Newly planted reeds, meanwhile, have also slashed water pollution levels with phosphate levels alone down by 70%. London's river restorations are boosting wider community well-being too, with schools using restored banks and new wetlands for hands-on, feet-wet education. This was just fields before, where kids could run around but not learn anything, said Shorey about Albany Park. Now they come down to the water to see what's going on. Such public benefits are an immeasurable but vital part of London's river restorations. The work draws so many people, said Caroline Woodley, Hackney Council Cabinet Member for Families, Parks and Leisure. It's boosting well-being generally through the connection with nature, along with education around biodiversity and rewilding. Hello, this is from the Enfield Independent by Alex Marsh again. Hospice energy bill more than triples. Rise from 133,000 to 450,000 pounds in just one year. A hospice has warned that it faces difficult choices after its energy bill more than tripled amid the cost of living crisis. Keeping patients warm and running its equipment now costs North London Hospice, which has sites in Winchmore Hill, Enfield, and Woodside Avenue, Finchley, £450,000. This bill was just £133,000 only a year ago. Chief Executive Declan Carroll admitted that while there was a plan in place to ensure it can meet the £14 million cost of delivering its services, these were challenging times. He said, like everyone, we at North London Hospice are facing increased energy bills. We aim to provide the best of life at the end of life, so for us, cutting back on heating and electricity simply is not an option. We have a plan in place to ensure that we can continue to deliver the best of care for our patients, but these are challenging times. Amid the cost-of-living crisis, the hospice says that it has suffered a hit to its finances as supporters feel the pinch. Bambus Sherilambus, MP for Enfield Southgate, said hospices like North London Hospice are a vital part of our community. They care for people in our community at their most vulnerable, and the support they provide is absolutely essential, not just to those at the end of their lives, but also to their family and friends. This support is now at risk as the cost-of-living crisis deepens. As a community, we are reliant on hospices and the incredible service they provide. But they are reliant on us, too, and they are in desperate need of this support right now as energy costs reach crisis levels. North London Hospice has now launched an appeal to help meet these rising costs, designating August as Fund Our Nurses Month. This aims to fund every minute of nursing during the month of August through donations. Catherine West, MP for Hornsey and Wood Green, said North London Hospice provides essential support for families in Hornsey and Wood Green at their most difficult times, and their resources should be going on care, not crippling energy costs. We owe them a debt of gratitude, and I'm proud to back the Fund Our Nurses Month Appeal. And now another article from the Enfield Society newsletter, an update on the New River Loop. The New River reached Enfield in April 1612. A grand ceremony to celebrate its completion was held on Michaelmas Day, 29th of September 1613. 
Fast forward to September 2022, and the most recent desilting work on the new liver roop was underway. This was a welcome project and a key part of the developing management plan, which has also resulted in the relaying of the footpath on the western side of Carr's Basin beside the town park, as well as repairs to some revetments close by, chalk treatment, a proposal for wetlands on Chase Green to help improve the catchment and water levels in the loop, and the complete refurbishment of the pump near Parsonage Gardens, which tops the water up from Sadler's Mill Stream. The Enfield Society is currently working with the Council on the development of a new river loop trail, featuring a number of information boards along the length of the waterway, telling the story of its creation, its people and the wildlife it fosters. This should be completed by summer 2023, together with other improvements the Council is undertaking, including a new town park gateway. The Enfield Society is also pressing for improved maintenance opposite the Civic Centre, where the loop emerges alongside Enfield Grammar Lower School and Portcullis Car Park. Here, the loop and the immediate area are heavily littered and the water suffers from a high level of duckweed. A fallen tree has been removed and both the council and school are now hopefully on board to improve the area. The Enfield Society is committed to working with the council to finalise the detailed management plan with maintenance schedules to ensure all parts of the loop are maintained to a good standard by the council's numerous departments. The council recognise the importance of the waterway as a public amenity but understandably is struggling to allocate sufficient funds for this work against competing priorities. At least some funding has been secured for future years and further desilting work is planned next financial year in the Carls Basin area. And now a few events to know which have been posted in the Enfield Dispatch. So firstly, we've got um, Half Frobs Light. Uh, These classes are aimed at those who have encountered a recent cardiac event and want to return to a normal way of life or anyone else who wishes to exercise at a more gentle level. It will be mainly seated exercises and it will help to strengthen the heart muscle and improve mobility, increasing muscular endurance. So this is starting on Monday the 5th of June, which is this week, um, and it runs from 12pm to 1pm, and this is at Holt White Sports and Social Club Number 1 Kirkland Drive, Enfield EN20RN. Class fees are £25 per month. Please call 07938926772 for more details. And if you're interested in wetting your whistle, we have a drink event called Enfield Gin and Rum Festival. At this event, you will meet the distillers and drink some of the UK's finest British gins. All distillers will be serving their own unique gin cocktails and will be selling bottles to take home. This takes place on Saturday the 24th of June, 11am to 11pm. And this will take place at the Old Bakery Gin, Pim's Muse, Bose Park, N13, 4PF. Entry is free. Please give a call on 0208-829-8241. And lastly, if you're interested in a choir, there is a Midsummer Musical Evening. This is taking place on Sunday the 25th of June at 7pm. And this is at the Chicken Shed Theatre 290 Chase Side, Southgate, N14 4PE. And this event is It's a Chicken Shed Community Choir Returns to Share Songs That You Will Know and Love. Playing are members of our youth band and of the wider Chicken Shed community who will all come together for a musical evening of popular songs and music. Tickets for this are £12 to £15. And you can get somebody to visit chickenshed.org.uk. This article comes from the Enfield Council website and it's Hazelbury Homes Become Models of Sustainability. 
Ten homes in Hazelbury Ward have undergone a deep retrofit, converting them into warm, affordable and environmentally efficient homes. The homes have benefited from the Retrofit Accelerator Programme delivered by Enfield Council with project partners Osborne Property Services, supported by the Mayor of London with funding from the Department for Energy Security and Net Zero. Retrofitting is the refurbishment of existing homes to make them more efficient, sustainable and better for the environment. The ten homes, which were previously ageing and energy inefficient, now have new triple glazed windows and high performance doors to retain warmth inside, solar panels to generate electricity, installation of a new efficient heating and ventilation system which will regulate the temperature of the home to provide warmth in the winter and cool in the summer, insulation of external walls which also helps regulate the temperature, removal of old gas boilers, replacing them with electrically powered air source heat pumps which has lower carbon emissions. This work, led by Enfield Council, is part of a three-year innovation partnership with seven social landlords delivering net-zero housing retrofits in London and nationally. The investment in Enfield is worth more than £500,000. Enfield Council's Cabinet Member for Social Housing, Councillor George Saver, said... The deep retrofit works will support the priorities and principles contained in the Council's Climate Action Plan to decarbonise Enfield Council's housing stock. The programme is the latest step of the Council's journey in achieving its long-term vision and ambitious target to reduce borough-wide emissions. This is an article about Refugees from the invasion of Ukraine, more than 4,000 arrivals in North London. And this is from the Enfield Independent. More than 4,000 Ukrainian refugees were welcomed into the North London homes under a new government scheme, new data shows, but Enfield has offered homes to the second lowest figure. As of March 31st, 4,154 arrivals have been placed across the eight boroughs under the Homes for Ukraine scheme, launched by the government after Russia's invasion of its smaller neighbor. Almost a quarter of these refugees have been placed in Barnet, which has taken 999 people. Harrow is the local authority in North London which has taken the fewest people, recording 255 arrivals. And in Enfield, there have been 325 arrivals. In total, 119,063 Ukrainian refugees have arrived in the UK via the government's humanitarian route. It comes as new Home Office immigration figures showed that people arriving through humanitarian schemes made up 19% of non-EU arrivals in 2022. J. Lindob, director of the Center for International Migration at the ONS, said a series of unprecedented world events throughout 2022 had led to record levels of international immigration to the UK. Speaking about the number of refugees the UK had taken in recent years, Government Minister Grant Shafts recently said, This country has had a big heart. We've opened the country to Ukrainian refugees and for British nationals from Hong Kong. So actually, I'm rather proud of our record on immigration, end quote. The number of people housed in North London under the home for Ukraine scheme is as follows. Barnet, 999. Brent, 423. Camden, 761. 
Enfield 325, Hackney 352, Haringey 617, Harrow 255, and finally Islington 422. This next article is more one of local interest than local news looks at one of the sites in hoped to join the local heritage list. As part of the Society's work to update the local heritage list, volunteers became aware of the fascinating history of the 469 heavy mixed anti-aircraft battery, known as HAA, at the end of Camp Road off Slades Hill, on open land north of the Jolly Farmer's public house, within the former historic Enfield Chase. At the start of World War II, it became clear that London needed protection from enemy bombers. With limited navigation equipment, the Luftwaffe intended to follow railway lines and rivers. The Lee Valley was a key target because of its industry, and having followed the river, bombers could then circle around the capital to attack London from the north. Heavy gun emplacements were therefore established around London as well as in parks within the capital. One of the largest sites was located at Hog Hill, north of Slades Hill. Alongside the gun emplacement, there was a large military camp where over 300 military personnel were stationed and the camp was closely guarded by 24-hour sentries. From the summer of 1941... Around half the personnel were women, hence the name Mixed HAA. Female recruits from the Auxiliary Terrestrial Service, ATS, were known as ACAC girls after the sound of the guns. Women were not allowed to operate the guns, but they worked closely with the male gunners to track enemy aircraft using the technology of the day. Prime Minister Winston Churchill's daughter, Mary, was stationed at the Hog Hill Battery from December 1941 to October 1942. The camp remained in use as a military records office until 1963, when it was closed. However, some of the camp building materials were used to create the 19th Enfield Scout Hut nearby. The gun emplacements were buried by construction waste in the 1960s, but still remain underneath, potentially awaiting rediscovery. A large number of brick and concrete structures, including ammunition stores, blast walls to protect the barracks and the footings of the barracks, themselves remain, although are mostly overgrown. A few are still visible from the Maryhills Way footpath. Mary Churchill later Lady Soames, wrote a diary that was published in 2021. The diary records that having joined the Auxiliary Territorial Service, ATS, in October 1941 and completed basic training at Aldmaston, she was posted to Edfield. The diary depicts the mundane nature of many of the camp tasks but shows the exhilaration Mary felt during live action in the gun teams. The Enfield site is unusual in being recorded not only in the diary of a well-known figure, but also newsreel footage of a visit by Winston Churchill. The Movie Tone News, AP, archive records, sorry, archive, records the date as 12th of April 1942, and Mary's diary records the event. The diary entry for the 19th of July records that the Prime Minister visited the gun site for a second time, this time accompanied by US President Roosevelt's special envoy, Harry Hopkins. The newsreel is of additional historical interest because of the rare footage of women operating equipment at Slades Hill, including the Sperry predictor, which calculated the length of fuse needed to reach the target. At the Society's suggestion, the site has been included in the updated local heritage list and Historic England are considering whether the site should be given listed status on the National Register. And now some arts and culture news. 
Enfield's premier live music event returns to Forty Hall Farm next month with a star-studded lineup to please all tastes. Livestock Music Festival is looking as diverse as ever, with everything from pop punk, indie rock, goth, folk, blues, reggae, soul and funk. On the feel-good stage, the headliner slot is being shared by the dynamic eight-piece Mission Impossible Soul Band, born out of the blues and the soul resurgence following the release of the Blues Brothers and the incredible City Funk Orchestra. The return of the latter was a no-brainer after their fantastic show at the Black Barn in December 2022, when they brought the house down on one of the coldest nights of winter. Other notable additions to the feel-good stage are the crowd-pleasing Ukulele Scar Collective, the return by popular demand of the Vipers and Reggae-Matic, plus a not-to-be-missed special one-off 10-year anniversary anniversary reunion from the incredible spirit of Springsteen. We say it every year, but yet again, the Black Barn lineup is another triumph with a full programme of new upcoming and original acts headlined by the mind-blowing talent that is Laurie Wright with his infectious punk rock and roll fusion that seems certain to blow the roof off. There is also the outstanding Brooke Law, who went to school locally and adds livestock to her impressive list of summer festivals, including playing on the same bill as Bonnie Raitt and the Pretenders. Brooke's gutsy voice has been described as Alanis Morissette meets Janis Joplin. Other Black Barn acts include Devox, who returned to showcase their acclaimed new album, 1984, Dead Colours, a mix of synth, pop and indie rock with a strong nod to the 80s, and local duo Lost Chimes, blending traditional folk with a contemporary dream pop twist. If disco is your thing and you fancy a break from the live stuff, the Black Barn will also be repeating the hugely successful Tea Time Disco, a one-hour DJ set of classic tunes from the era. Down in the woods, on the legendary Woodland stage, curated by St Harmonica's Blues Club, there is the unusual, amazing programme with the Blues chapter and House Red already confirmed and more to come. This will be, as ever, a blues lineup second to none. Livestock will, of course, offer all the usual bars and food stands, plus an array of children's activities throughout the day. There are also plans for a dance zone at the end of the night. While early bird tickets are sold out, advanced tickets are a mere £30 with on-the-gate tickets costing £35. The evening pass is now £20 and valid from 7pm. Children up to the age of 12 remain free. You will still need to book them a pass and there is a teen ticket for 13 to 17 year olds at just £5. An accompanying adult ticket is required when purchasing either of the latter. Now, if you are interested in turning your ear to the Livestock Festival, this takes place on Saturday the 22nd of July from 11am to 11pm. To book tickets, you'll have to visit livestockuk.com. This is an interesting article from the Enfield Independent about an OAP who shines at World Championship of fitness racing. Enfield's most in-shape grandfather is taking a well-earned rest at home after placing fourth in the World Championship of Fitness Racing. Since retiring from senior roles in finance eight years ago, David McLean, 65, has been exercising six days a week, most recently training like a strongman while regularly playing tennis, running, and completing high-intensity boxing workouts. And that incredible dedication paid off as McLean, while no longer advising large businesses and other celebrities such as Oat Cuisine pioneers the Rue Brothers, proved his worth as an international athlete at the High Rocks competition in Manchester. When I retired, I promised myself I would represent GB in a sporting event, he said. I had no idea how to go about it, but I was taught never to worry and just focus on the why. If your goals motivate you, then you'll find the people and support you need to make it happen. 
McLean's achievements follow a 40-year career, which culminated in roles at NatWest's head of personal banking and then as a financial advisor to the super-rich. And this world championship performance is all the more impressive because while his finance career mostly found him behind a desk, he now needs a wide breadth of physical skills to compete in his chosen sport of Hyrox, H-Y-R-O-X. Participants have to compete a total of eight kilometers running whilst also pushing 155-kilogram sleds, carrying two 24-kilogram kettleballs, lunging while holding sandbags, and sweating it out while rowing. There aren't many places you can practice all the necessary skills for something like high rocks, McLean added. Just over 12 months ago, I discovered Strength Plus on Instagram. The rest is now history. The modified strongman training covers so many of the bases, it really set me up. I also couldn't have done it without my high-intensity boxing and tennis coaches, who are also who are all also local, independent, and get me out there training with other people. All of my family think I'm crazy, but they also see that I'm inspiring my four grandchildren. I very much hope that my performance inspires others as well, young and not so young. McLean promised his coaching team he would rest up for at least a week to fully recover after the grueling competition, but has made it clear his sights are on a podium finish next year, and ultimately a world record. Strength Plus founder Brett Sizeland, a former pro MMA fighter, who has also trained Premier League rugby players and other professional athletes, said, David really did shoot the lights out in Manchester. His achievements go to show just how much potential we all have. His determination and dedication are what have led him here. We've had many other successes with people who start from scratch and go on to truly impressive performances in strongman mud racing, and half marathons. But David, representing Team GB, is truly something special. We'll do everything we can to get him ready and up on the podium next year and get his world record. Given his progress so far, we know he can do it. And now a look at some suggested plans for a new country park close to Upper Edmonton. The article is taken from the Enfield Borough Over 50s Forum newsletter for June and July of this year. Nestling between the North Circular and Banbury Reservoir, a Lee Valley storage reservoir in Upper Edmonton, lies one of Enfield's best-kept secrets, a designated area of green beltland. Except that it's anything but green. Closed to the public but open for fly-tipping, rubbish and car parking, clearly visible on Google Maps, precious land poorly used. In 2021, London CPRE, the countryside charity, presented a Proposals and Principles paper to Enfield and Waltham Forest councils for a 60-hectare district park on this and adjacent land enfolding the reservoir the River Lee Navigation, the River Lee and Pim's Brook. Visualise a green and blue space the size of 60 international athletics tracks, serving local communities deprived of green space, having seven times less than local and national authority standards. And it's possible to see how transformative this new London country park could be to the lives, health and well-being of those who live, work and play nearby. The benefits of accessible green space are well established for good health and well-being, biodiversity, climate adaption, for leisure, social and commercial use. 
and such benefits apply especially to a densely populated area like Upper Edmonton, recognised as suffering unacceptably high health inequalities. Plans by Enfield Council to build 11,000 additional homes in neighbouring Meridian Water and Joyce Avenue and Snells Park regeneration areas simply reinforce the obligation to act. The relevant authorities, Lee Valley Regional Park, Enfield and Waltham Forest Councils, have acknowledged the strategic value of creating such a country park. Conveniently, the proposal is divided into 13 separate plots so that the plan may develop over time. The Lee Valley Regional Park Authority floated similar ideas several years ago and Waltham Forest Council has already submitted its proposals in the 2022 local plan, Enfield Council's local plan and Meridian Water Master Plans are respectively being drafted and awaiting publication. Ideal opportunities for committing to an essential green amenity for both new and existing neighbourhoods. The time to start creating that space is now. A community-led project to motivate the young and not-so-young. The established locals and the newcomers. Gathering ideas about the nature of sustainable inner-city countryside for generations to come. Woodlands, parks, gardens, allotments, wild areas, conservation areas, diverse habitats, playgrounds, sports fields, lakes, fountains, ponds, streams, canals. High-quality canal-side paths for walking and cycling to the Lee Valley Country Park, the Green Belt countryside of the Lee Valley, the outskirts of North London and beyond. Without this park, there would, ironically, be only severally limited accessible pedestrian or cycle routes to the Lee Valley Park from Upper Edmonton, including Meridian Water. The potential is huge for jobs, tourism, local identity, community cohesion. And there are no identifiable impediments. The proposal is consistent with the ambitions and strategic priorities of Enfield, Waltham Forest, Lee Valley Regional Authority and the Mayor of London and National Planning Policies. The CPRE, the Countryside Charity, hopes to galvanise the necessary commitments to create this park alongside nine other ten new parks for London. And here's an article from the Enfield Council website, which is certainly interesting and a lesson in being a bit too green-fingered. A landowner and contractor who illegally felled more than 270 protected trees have been ordered to pay in excess of £255,000 by a judge. The order has come after a lengthy investigation and prosecution brought by Enfield Council Planning Enforcement Officers. Ali Matter, who owns the land at the Clayhill Conservation Area, EN29JB, Bush Wheeler Services Limited, the contractors who carried out the work and Robert Bush, director at the company, pleaded guilty on 25th of February 2021 at Highbury Corner Magistrates Court for charges related to the Town and Country Planning Act 1990. On the 23rd of February 2023, the three defendants were ordered to pay more than £255,000 at Woodgreen Crown Court. The judge fined Ali Matter £73,700 and Robert Bush and Bush Wheeler Services Limited as a company were fined £2,177.50 each. In addition, Ali Mata was ordered to pay £100,000 in confiscation monies under the proceeds of Crime Act 2002. Robert Bush and Bush Wheeler Services Limited were ordered to pay £5,200 in confiscation between them. The three defendants were also ordered to pay the council's costs of £72,083.85. The illegal activity was discovered in early January 2019 by members of the public walking in Hillyfields Park. 
All works on the site were stopped instantly and a prosecution was brought by the council. The trees covered by a tree preservation order and within the Clayhill Conservation Area were situated on land known as Kingswood in Clayhill in Enfield and were felled between late December 2018 and early January 2019. The trees felled included yew, hawthorn oak, ash, spruce, willow and poplar and were predominantly located in the bottom southeast corner of the grounds and were clearly visible from Hillyfields Park. The council has served a tree replacement notice under the Town and Country Planning Tree Preservation England Regulations 2012. The notice requires the replanting of 285 trees at the site, which includes oak, sweet chestnut, hornbeam, silver birch, field maple, cherry, Scots pines, Corsican, pine and Norway spruce. This is subject to an appeal by Ali Matter. We have reached the end of our programme for this week. Thank you for listening. So from the team of Sally, Alison, Jean and Mel and Ian on the controls, it's goodbye. Bye. 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 Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. You can now also listen to our podcast by searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favourite podcast app or listen to us on your smart speaker by saying play podcast Enfield Talking Newspaper. Don't forget you can call Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with the Talking Newspaper on 07899-854-582. The Enfield Talking Newspaper will be with you again in one week's time.